attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, episode by episode, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, Corporal Captain Rob Kelly, and joining us this week in the VIP tent is returning guest from season one, our pal, Scott X. Hi, Scott. Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's great to be back here in the VIP tent. <laughs> it's great to have you back. We were just talking off air that it has been seven months since we recorded last time, which is that just uh, makes me feel very old all of a sudden. It's like yeah. that much time. It didn't, it didn't feel like it was seven months since we did the Army Navy game, but I guess I guess it has been. Yeah. So you know, uh, I've, I've been AWOL for a while. I was spending yeah. some time in Tokyo <laughs> wrapping up my correspondence course from the AAA high school diploma company of <laughs> Delvin, Indiana. But now that's done. So I'm ready to roll again. Awesome. I love all those references. That's fantastic. So uh, like you said, of course, Scott's been on the show before, twice in fact, so we don't have to get into his history with uh, MASH itself. So we're going to get right to the episode, which in this case is uh, Season 2, Episode uh, 14, 15, excuse me, Officers Only, original air date December 22nd, 1973, written by Ed Jurist and directed by the dependable Jackie Cooper. During a session in OR, Hawkeye and Trapper end up working on a Private Mitchell, who just happens to be the son of General Maynard M. Mitchell. After the young man pulls through, General Mitchell visits the 477th to thank the doctors for their excellent work. Frank tries to steal some of the credit, but Mitchell sizes up the situation and makes the gesture of generosity only to Hawkeye and Trapper. They settle on three days and nights in Tokyo, and the doctors take off for their adventure. Walkeye and Trapper paint the town red. Reports of their escapades make it back to the 477th, sending a box of pipe cleaners to MacArthur's table in the grand dining room of the hotel, rickshaw races in the lobby, and the absconding of half of the graduating class of a pearl diving school. When they return, Frank shows off another nice treat courtesy of General Mitchell, a prefab officer's club, complete with tables, jukebox, piano, and semi-stocked bar. They like it, but are less happy than Frank insists that it's just what it's called, an officer's club. No enlisted men allowed. The enlisted, of course, take offense, and Radar in particular freezes out Hawkeye and Trapper, going so far as to bifurcating the mess tent's tables into officers and enlisted. They ask Henry to make it open to everyone, but he's afraid to make waves. But he does offer that if they can get the other officers to agree to it, then the club will be open to everyone. At the opening night of the, o- of the O Club, Hawkeye and Trapper try to get Hot Lips and Frank, respectively, to sign the form, but of course they say no. Later, General Mitchell arrives, and his son, a private, also shows up on crutches. Hawkeye points out that the club is officers only, but suggests to General Mitchell that a special allowance be made for relatives. Mitchell readily agrees, which leads Hawkeye to invite all of his relatives in, who just so happen to also be at the 477th. His son, Radar, his daughter, Klinger, his cousin, Phil, his African-American brother-in-law, Leroy. The episode ends with everyone, officers and enlisted, having a great time in the Oak Club, except for Frank, who has gotten blottoed on Shirley Temple's, and his angry General Mitchell, who is dancing very close with Margaret. But before he can do anything about it, he passes out. All right, so, Scott, uh, I love this episode. This was just a, this was one of those episodes I felt like it was sort of a, I don't want to say a fill-in episode, but it, it took a lot of things together, and it turned out really good. It, it came together really nicely, and it, one of the things that I found interesting was this was sort of that, that first appearance of the Officers Club, which became a right. set right, throughout right. the rest of the series. It was sort of an important thing in a show that is sort of known for its lack of continuity right. from episode to episode, season to season. This is something that did kind of stick. Right. That's one of the things I, I like about it is that this uh, most of the mashes, 
generally in a loose sense, can be watched in kind of any order. Right. For the most part. I mean, there's some variances here and there. But yeah, obviously, this is a, this is, hey, we, we're now adding the O Club. And so now every episode that features a scene in the O Club has to, by definition, take place after this episode. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's significant. I mean, I, I, I've been talking about this all all season. Is that I think season two there was not a single bad episode. Right. I just think they were just running on burning on all cylinders. And but even of course even within season two there are highs and relative lows. And uh, they this middle period and the, sort of like the middle six episodes to me are just outstanding. And this one is just it's not a character show it's not a like the previous episode you know hot, uh, hot lips and empty arms that's a character episode right. this one is just life at the 477th yep. but it is so damn funny i mean this thing makes me laugh out loud no matter how many times i've seen it you know it's this is one of those episodes again and you and i talked about this and it was one of the two i did last time i think it might have been um chief surgeon who where we talked about how alan aldo has sort of this groucho marxish <laughs> delivery with how he he likes to deliver things and i kept hearing this throughout this episode and with ed jurist being the, the the writer but i was i was curious i found this quote from uh Larry Gelbart, um, and I, I want to talk about that for a second. He says, it was Alden not wearing the glasses and the nose thing and not pretending to be Groucho that he would often seem to sound like Groucho to me. A certain percentage of the material I wrote for Alda was unavoidably Marxian. Groucho rhythm, style, sound, and attitude. His general M.O., his modus night at the operandi, you can see me wiggling my <laughs> eyebrows here, being practically part of my DNA. But this episode was not written by Larry Gelbart, and I could still see that in certain lines, you know, where, he, where, the, where the general says, you will wear the trousers in Tokyo, and Hawkeye says, or, at least until we check in. But I can, oh, I can, yeah, I can yeah. just see, he, he just has this Marxian delivery, and it was just, to me, on full display here. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to jump right ahead and... and, and quote because you're you're bringing it up my favorite line in this episode my favorite joke is when hawkeye and trapper are negotiating with general mitchell uh-huh. hawkeye hawkeye immediately understands what mitchell says when he says name it and then mitchell mitchell impressed says the captain is very good at catching my drift and hawkeye goes i played left drift in high school, high school. <laughs> that's total marks Mark, delivery yeah. i played left drift in high school <laughs> you huh? just see it so <laughs> I was going to say, you know, we, I just talked about that, you know, you had mentioned in your opening that Ed Juris wrote this. And I also saw on the, on the, uh, the, the, what do you want to call it? The, the entrance that Lawrence Marks was the script consultant. Right. So what is the script consultant? Just someone that, that punches up the script, adds stuff here and there. What's the, what is that exactly? I get, he's an on staff person. So you, Lawrence okay. Marks was somebody that was literally probably on the lot in the writer's room, uh, in some capacity, and oh, pr- had probably input on every script they went through. Because, yeah, this That's... is Ed Jurist's sole mash credit, yeah. uh, which is a shame because this is a very funny show. And because, we again, you'll, we'll never know how much of it is Lawrence Marks and Gelbart right. and Ed Jurist. But nevertheless, I think it, it moves at a good pace, and the plot is well-constructed. He had other credits like Bewitched, The Flying Nun, Different Strokes, The New Temperatures Rising show, of course. Uh, and small wonder. So, I mean, it's like a lot of his other credits are not terribly distinguished, but yet, you know, when he had a shot at MASH, he did a great job. Yeah. And and I was curious because I did, because I did look him up, him personally, and I found another thing that Larry Gelbart had once said that he and Marx had teamed up to write for Jack Parr in 1946 and then moved up to writing for Bob Hope at $1,250 a week. So Marx and Gelbart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is in the forties. So, wow. so he, so Marx and uh, and Larry Gelbart had a long history together, and it, it, so it made me wonder. They kind of 
probably had some synergy there too about what Gelbart was looking for and thinking about the type of humor they wanted. You know, so was that maybe his role too to kind of interject some of that stuff in there? Because the, the other things that you that you mentioned that he wrote are those same kind of balance of humor, different strokes, you know, one day at a time. Those type of shows where that's all what those were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine that if you're outsourcing your scripts to different writers, it's going to come in and there's going to be some swings of tone. Right. And so you need these on-staff writers to come on and say, okay, we've got to make it a little – fit a little more with the, what we've established to this point. Um, this episode opens with an unfortunate scene – uh, and this is something else that I've been highlighting all throughout the season is how much Trapper has been sidelined right. uh, in this episode. And it opens with uh, Trapper uh, doing some x-rays on a patient and then Radar brings in uh, some x-rays from someone else and they look at him and he says, oh boy, he looks like he swallowed a junkyard. And he says, uh, this is a chess case. And Trapper says, I'm too beat to do it alone. Go get Hawkeye. That really had to stick in Wayne Rogers' oh, absolutely. Raw, to just be like, I can't handle this. Let's go get the hero of the show. It's like right. some in other episodes they were a little more subtle, but boy, that is really underlining that Trapper can't get a lot done without Hawkeye. That had to not oof boy. <laughs> well, and then and then when later on he says, I'm too beat to do it alone, still implying that he's gonna be the lead surgeon. But when they actually get into the the operation, Hawkeye is leading yeah, it and Trapper's yeah. then assisting him. And then, of course, Frank comes in and wants to be the yeah. assistant once he finds out it's a general son. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's the. I mean, I would say that's the only down note to this episode is that that line to me is just it makes me feel bad for Wayne Rogers because he yeah. had to have read that and just rolled his eyes a little. Uh, but then right after that, that's when General Mitchell arrives. And this is the third and final appearance of this character played by Robert F. Simon. Uh, I think he's great. He's one of I mean. I've liked all the general characters to this point. There was a right. General Hammond early on, and, yeah. and General Mitchell, and uh, you know, but the, her Voland was probably the longest lasting one. But I, Robert Simon's very funny, and I kind of like how he is down to earth. And when he arrives in the tent and he's talking to to Henry, and of course Henry has some lingerie hanging right. off of his helmet, and uh, he says, uh, "Yeah, well, he's do do a lot of." Uh, fishing with this and he you know sort of handles the stocking or right. whatever it is and henry says well i do a little fooling around yeah. you know how it is and then mitchell has that pause he goes yeah i used to i used to it's <laughs> great but don't worry he's got margaret <laughs> he's got, <laughs> he's got well of course he's, he's got hot lips coming up uh the actor who plays um uh, Private Mitchell, his son, is a, a guy named Robert Weaver. Uh, he's got standard TV credits, as you might, Quincy, Magnum P.I., Grace American Hero. The character he plays here is Gary Mitchell, who, of course, uh, anyone knows is from, you know, that name is familiar from a Star Trek episode. Yep. And I also happen to notice that he played a recurring role on a detective show called Stone, starring Dennis Weaver, where he played a character called Buck Rogers. Yeah, I saw that, so, too. <laughs> so he had a history of being named for other sci-fi-related characters. <laughs> Hey, you, you can get work while you get it. You know, hey, that's, sure, that's hey, whatever. Good for him. It's, it's and fine. here we are talking about it. How many years later? So Exactly, great. exactly. Great for Robert uh, Weaver. Yeah, in the scene in post-op, I love that Mitchell does not – he's subtle about it. But I love that Mitchell sees right through Frank because Frank is trying to steal credit where he says, you know, I was assisting. And he's like, well, it needs, we, there, need, there needs to be somebody who stands around saying, how are things going, men? Yeah. And Mitch, Mitchell just kind of smiles and lets it roll. I, I like yeah. that he doesn't buy into Frank. He he completely gets that Frank is trying to steal credit. And I like that. I like that about General Mitchell. Well, he was pretty even keel through the whole thing, too. Henry, every time Henry Blake talks, he says something. Then he tries this thing. 
oh, I should have said something different. And then he says something that makes it worse. But General Mitchell just sort of, you know, the well, he was a real trooper. Well, a paratrooper, you know, really. <laughs> and General Mitchell just kind of looks at him and nods his head, you know, like uh, Henry's kind of getting in deeper and deeper. But <laughs> it's OK. He means well. <laughs> this episode has some of the greatest uh, Henry uh, crazy round delay talks where he's just saying stuff that just d- dissolves into gibberish after a just while. Just random gibberish, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then, so I, my favorite scene probably in the whole episode is the one with General Mitchell in the swamp with Hawkeye and Trapper. Is that he's so I lo- and I love how much Hawkeye and Trapper are willing to take the the the, the reward. You know, and like, right, right. And then Henry says something like, "Oh, I think your offer is more than enough." And the two of them are like, "No, no, it isn't." <laughs> like, well, he, and Hawkeye even says, "Don't be so modest with our greed, Henry." And of course, Henry already has his case of scotch. So what is it? The right. offer is enough. I have my case of scotch. What? <laughs> yeah, that's it's fantastic. I really, really. And then the immediate cut after that scene is of Henry getting all these phone calls yeah. uh, about all the various adventures. And and you know, we never see any of that, of course. But I always I picture. Uh, the stuff from the, the, the MASH movie of Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould because there's extended sequences of them ripping the town up in, in Tokyo. So that's what I picture is just these two guys just going completely nuts, uh, you know, causing all sorts of trouble. And there's much like in a lot of great comedy records where like Bob Newhart made a whole career of like the phone call, you know, where you just hear his side of the phone yes. call and you're imagining – it's so much funnier not seeing what's going on. I mean, the idea that Hawkeye and Trapper have absconded with half the pearl diving clay. <laughs> you know, they're, just, they're going insane out there. I totally agree with that. I, I, the, the, the imagination of what goes through your head when you think of what they must be doing, and then you can add on and think of what else they must be doing that someone yeah. isn't phone calling about. Right. <laughs> I totally agree. To, to not show it is, is much more powerful, in, even in a comedic sense. We see it all the time in things like Hitchcock and suspense movies. But even in comedy, it can be much funnier to not show it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's a classic comedy. I mean, part of it is, of course, budgetarily defined. Sure, is that they don't have the money to follow this up. But it is so much funnier just staying in camp and hearing all these stories. And by the way, in the final scene where Henry gets the final report, he has a book on his chest called Special Nurse. Yeah, and I looked that up, and that is in fact a real book. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, it was one of a large collection of nurse themed adult romance novels. So. I don't know if I don't know if adult romance means what I think it means, uh, but but possibly. But I love that's a that's a great touch by the prop department that they got a book called Special Nurse. Yeah, he was he was either trying to uh, catch up on what his nurses might be reading, or he was trying to get some uh, tips or ideas to track down his nurse of the day that he's chasing after uh, this episode. I'm glad in this one he doesn't chase after uh, Sheila Lawrence and Nurse Sheila. I've mentioned yeah. in the previous episode she looks like she's 12, and so <laughs> when he hits on her, I always get this like, "All right, Henry, come on, aim a aim a little higher." Uh, and so, of course, Hawkeye and Trapper arrive. I love their Hawaiian shirts, and we see the O Club. Uh, we see the O Club, and it's again, it's one of the kind of the fun mash, uh, you know, settings. Now here, this much like the mess tent in early episodes, this O Club is much more sophisticated looking than it would end up staying uh when we first see it there's kind of like the paper lamps hanging down and the tables are sort of fancy later on the the oak club would become much more uh basic the, yeah, t- the, the tables would be made of old tires and stuff yeah. like that but here it, it was actually sort of somewhat, a, it became sort of a slightly elevated mess hall yeah <laughs> yeah but here it actually looks relatively sophisticated there's even a a, a, a painting of general macarthur yeah. Uh, on it. Uh, by the way, the apostrophe is incorrect. It says officers only, and it's not. Uh, that's yeah. not 
done correctly. Uh, and then in the mess tent, we get, of course, we get the giant freeze out where, you know, Henry and our radar doesn't uh, like being excluded from from the, uh, the, the the proceedings of what's going on here. Now, I don't know anything about, I mean, we're mess, t- I guess we're mess tents bifurcated in, in I have no idea. I mean, I, did they make everybody eat together or would, would it have been separated like the Oak Club? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a great question. I, I guess I would have almost thought if maybe if they had an officer's club, the mess tent wasn't separated. The officers took their meals in the officer's club. But if they didn't have one, it was it was segregated somehow. I don't know. That's a great yeah. question. Yeah, I never thought about that. I mean, it's like, well, if you let the officers and the enlisted mingle during their meals, what well, the officer's club seems a little like, OK, I mean, and it is unfortunately not fair for the poor enlisted member. They get they're, they're working hard, too. Uh, I right. mean, I guess the argument is that the medical staff are all officers and they, they work, of right. course, they're working the hardest. So that's why they get the uh, thing. But, but never, and I, I love that radar tries to freeze them out. I just think that's hysterical yeah. because they're not having it. You know, they, yeah. they let you, we got you get drunk for the first time. Told you had a Jeep, both on the same night. Like yeah. there are all these other adventures we've never <laughs> seen. And it, it keeps calling them, sir. I love that. Yes, yeah. sir. Thank you, sir. I remember that, sir. So, so very different than radar normally would be toward them. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's, anyone. It's, <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, he even begs, you're going to eat your fat, which is yeah. a nice little button. Yeah. I think we really reached him. So uh, the actor playing um, the um, the actor playing uh, uh, Quang Duck. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I blanked out on his name. The uh, the bartender is Clyde Kusatsu. And you if you are not familiar with the name, uh, you have seen him in many, many things. He has over 300 credits. And I would have even IMDb. thought that was light. I mean, just looking yeah. at his face, he was in everything in the 70s and 80s, it seemed like. Yeah. Everything. This guy is everywhere. Into he the 90s. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, he did four mashes. He played Kwang Duck in two of them, and then he played different characters later on. He, he made appearances on Quincy, Lou Grant, Super Train, uh, the film Meteor, Trapper John M.D., T.J. Hooker, Alf, Lois and Clark. He played Karnak of the Inhumans in the Fantastic Four animated series. West Wing, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Avatar, The Last Airbender, E.R., Young and the Restless, and multiple times on Star Trek The Next Generation. That's Admiral Nakamura. That's right. Now, he was interviewed. I tried to find an interview with him uh, because I – and I've mentioned on previous episodes where I, I would love to – read the life stories of guys like this oh absolutely what kind of life does this guy have is he wealthy does he i mean he's always working but i mean like what kind of life does that provide you when you when you're this kind of guy now i did find an interview with him but it was a um from a star trek site and so they were only asking him about his work on tng it wasn't a career overview but i I would find this kind of guy fascinating because i'd be like how like you know what i mean like does he does he have like a huge house somewhere in the hollywood hills or does he live more of a hard scrabble. I would imagine with 300 credits and all the residuals that that might result, he probably has done pretty well for himself. Well, well, Rob, you've got some pull in Hollywood now. You ought to be able to find <laughs> find a way to get connected with Clyde and get him on the show and talk a little bit about his about his life and career. You've got pull. Come on, uh, man. All right, get to work. I'll give it a try. Yeah, it, it and, would be a fascinating story just because imagine all the people he's met over the years. I, I, I he would be just great to sit down and talk to. Just what you said. Not only the stuff on screen and his work, but all the people he's met, all the people he's worked with. And to see how he interacted with them um, throughout his career or acted through with them throughout his career. Yeah. Uh, I like when he is – there is a little bit of a, a little mistake here in the bar where he is making Frank a Shirley Temple and he is shaking it. And, of course, a Shirley Temple is made of – has some carbonated 
uh, I think ginger ale in it, and so you would not shake a, a, a carbonated beverage, but that's okay. Well, maybe there, maybe maybe budget didn't allow him to actually have carbonated beverage, so he was trying to shake it to get some bubbles. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Um, I do like that moment where he where we, he's talking to Frank, and Frank he says his name Quang Duck, and Frank says that's a cute name. And Quang Duck says, we're cute people. And it's just <laughs> dripping with contempt, but Frank yes, is too dumb yes. to pick up on that. The, he, um, he, Quang Duck, for a very small part, had some really good little little dialogue in there, too. I love the part where where uh, Henry comes in later and orders a banana daiquiri. Yes. And he said, what is that? It, well, it's a drink. It has bananas and cream and, and you rum. know, through rum. He goes, well, we don't have bananas or rum, and all we have is powdered cream and Henry says, all right, I'll have a beer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, any port in a storm. Oh, yeah, fine, then I'll just have a beer. That's all right. Henry's face falls when he realizes yeah. that he can't get this sophisticated drink that he, that he wants it's to get. It's still Korea during wartime. Yeah, right. There's only good so much they can get. Uh, the scene with, um, with Margaret and Frank together – by the way, they're sitting in these wicker chairs – which are really quite nice. Uh, we never see these wicker chairs again, I don't think. But, uh, but anyway, the scene with Frank and Margaret where she's wearing the white sweater where she looks phenomenal, um, it's actually – I don't know if you agree with me. I actually think that's kind of a sweet scene. Like they're actually just being nice to each other. Yeah, and, and they're in, just and, talking, having a conversation. Yeah, like in, in previous scenes where they're being – where Frank is just being weird, where he's – you know, he's got like the vibrator on his face for, yeah. for Margaret or whatever, or they're they're engaging in their weird fantasy role play. It, it kind of creeps you out. But here they're just being nice to one another. And in this moment, you kind of get why Margaret likes Frank. I mean, it, for the rest of us, we can't imagine it, like why Frank is <laughs> in any way alluring to a woman. But here it's like they're just sweet to one another. And it's it's kind of a nice little moment that they give these two characters. They're not – there's no real hard laughs. It's just – these two were kind of out on a date, which is – it's nice. Yeah, and, and I think he says that something. We're just – and then when, of course, Trapper and Hawkeye come in and sit at their table and things go sideways, and they kind of just say that. We're just trying to have a drink here, you know? Right. Back I think off. Frank even says he's like, do join us or something. Yeah. Like, you know, they are – so they try to get him to sign, and of course, there's a great the, – the dancing with Hawkeye and Margaret is great where he's, you know, he's trying to romance her and she's not having it. And then, of course, Frank is, of course, jealous, and Trapper said – I love that Trapper says – don't worry, you can still see some daylight between them. And then when we cut back, Margaret is a full like body length away from Hawkeye. Right. She's clearly gotten uncomfortable with how close she's <laughs> dancing to him, which I love. I love that. I think that's a great little little detail. And then there's a moment here where uh, Hawkeye sits down and they they commiserate whether they got anywhere with either one of them. And Trapper says, "How did you do?" And he and Hawkeye says. Uh, how'd you do with her? And he says, great, but she wouldn't sign. And you see that Wayne Rogers starts to laugh. Yeah. And again, it looks, it looks genuine. It looks like yeah. Wayne Rogers is genuinely laughing at that line. <laughs> I, I always like it when – I always wonder when you see that and it looks so genuine. I know they're actors, but it always makes you wonder if there was a little bit of improv in there too. Like, you know, oh, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Wayne Rogers' face really lights up when he laughs. Yeah. And so it's, it's really fun to watch. And there's another – Another out loud laugh line here is later on in the uh, post-op where Klinger – we see that Klinger is mad too. He's looking kind of pissed off. And they get the voiceover and they say – the, there's a party at the Oak Club tonight. But for the, uh, for the, for the uh, enlisted, we're going to be running a VT, VD cartoon, Hansel and Regrettal, which is yeah. one, of the great, <laughs> one of the great fake movie names MASH ever came up with. <laughs> we should also mention about Klinger. He uh, is apparently portraying himself as pregnant this episode to see if That's that will right. help him get out of, uh, once again, find his way out of the army. Right. And, and Henry says, there is, it is my medical belief that no one will believe that you're pregnant. 
Yeah. And uh, he think he even says at some point, "I'm terminating your pregnancy." Yes, he did. Which is he, ooh, yeah. that's a that that's a particular word choice that yes. I think would not really fly uh, nowadays as a no, as no, a laugh line. Or, no, not as a laugh line. I don't think no, so. No, yeah. Uh, I mean, they could have said it any other way. So then, that the basically the end of the show is this big party. Where they're having, and then you talk about where uh, uh, Henry asked for the banana daiquiri. He also he also needs a blender. Uh, we have no yeah, yeah, he doesn't have a blender. We don't have that either. So, <laughs> so there's that. But so this is a nice. I like that Hawkeye and Trapper dress up. Everybody's in their 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 dress blues. Not not dress blues, dress grays or whatever the term would be for the army. I guess blue and gray would be a navy thing. Yeah. Uh, and then General Mitchell arrives, and again, Mitchell is very agreeable like mm-hmm. he just he's when when they when they turn to him and they're sort of like okay what what should we do about these rules and he says blake it's your outfit which is nice like he's not big footing right. henry's like i may be a general but this is your outfit so what do you say i like that a lot yeah and 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 he's not just automatically going sort of above henry because it's his own son either and in fact when they say, "Well, he's an enlisted man; he can't come in," and and uh, the general says, "Well, I have to agree." You know, he's, yeah. he's he's not putting himself or his wants or needs above those of the man, other men either. Yeah, the rule is they, he says That's the, the, rule. The, the rule is officers only. Uh, of course, when he meets Margaret and she says, "I'm in charge of nursing," and he says, "Yes, I can believe that." And I then, can believe that. And then Hawkeye has that line, "I'm Captain Pierce, the African explorer." Yeah, I don't get that joke. I don't know what that means exactly, other than it's just saying something nonsensical to interrupt the two of them or something. Yeah, well, and they, were, and they were sort of all trying to, um, I don't know, I feel like pump themselves up like they're really important. So I don't know if he was just trying to, again, make fun of them. Well, I'm important too. I'm an African explorer kind of yeah, a thing. <laughs> maybe so. I'm even more important than a nursing chief <laughs> or a one, major uh, surgeon. Yeah, one little fun detail is that the scene of all of them at the bar, there's a extra sitting off to the side who's clearly an officer. I don't know who he is, but he is playing drunk. Yeah. Uh, we see the guy in the in the corner, and he is he's got his head down, and he's rocking back and forth. And clearly, the direction they gave him was okay. You're already completely hammered, dude. And so, and no one pays attention to him. Uh, he's just there, but he's nevertheless he's in the foreground, just looking completely. He's already been at the Oak Club, presumably as soon as it opened. Yeah, he's there. He's a, he's an officer. They're they're finding their spot when they can. It was interesting too to think, you know, we don't. How many officers do we see who are the officers? Some of the people we don't really recognize in there. They're officers. It always makes me wonder, in a place like a MASH unit, um, do, do all of a sudden people from surrounding units find out there's an officer's club and they all kind of go <laughs> to the MASH unit so we can find this officer's club? We may not have this out on the line, so we're going to go find this MASH unit where they have an officer. heard they had an officer's club. I'm going in there to, to catch up on some uh, liquid refreshment. Yeah, I mean, right, because we see in the background there are other men. Right. In, in officers, and as far as we know, at the, at the 477th, the only male officers are, you know, Frank, Trapper, Hawkeye, and Henry. That's it. All the other officers are women because they are the nurses. The nurses. So there, mu- but there, so there must be some other male officers who are not, in fact, doctors. So there's got to be some crew. There's probably the dentist that we never see again yeah. uh, and some other people. I- but, but, yeah, you're right. Maybe some of them are, are people who wandered in from other units to celebrate the Oak Club. Yeah, I, was Father Mulcahy? He, he was an officer then, wasn't he? Not that he yeah, was attending he was the, the right, officer right. club, and he didn't appear in this episode. But he would be another one that I guess that would be an officer. Right, he was a lieutenant. Right, right, right. Um, and in the final big shot, the big pull up where the camera zooms out again, a nice little touch from from Jackie Cooper, where we see every how crowded the O Club has become. That drunk that I mentioned, he actually salutes Henry. Uh, Henry takes a look at him and just kind of <laughs> grimaces a little because the oh, guy great. He does a little. 
the uh, drunk guy go. salutes me. Nobody yeah. else will. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, then at the uh, the end of the moment, we see the sort of uh, I guess it's a couple hours later. By the way, we see the actor Ralph Grosh, who played General Mitchell's aide in the other two episodes. He's the one who talks about that he has the key to the uh, uh, the officers' club in um, the trial of Henry Blake, and mm-hmm. that's the prompts the line Fox. Put yourself down for a silver star. Uh, he got dragged in for every General Mitchell episode. He doesn't get any lines here, but we see him in the background as as uh, Mitchell and Margaret are dancing. And I like the idea that um, – it's funny. I wrote in the synopsis that Frank got drunk on Shirley Temple's, which of course is impossible because they, they don't have liquor. But in that scene at the end where he is blottoed and he's talking to Hawkeye and Trapper, we see Trapper pour a drink from another glass into Frank's glass. And then Frank drinks it. So I wonder, has has either Hawkeye or Trapper been plying Frank with booze all night and that's how he got blottoed? I just yeah. noticed that. That's what that's what it that's what that clearly implied to me. Yeah. Was that they were kinda they were spiking his Shirley Temple. <laughs> Which I had to chuckle when he first ordered Shirley Temple. He wouldn't say it when Hawkeye and, and Trapper sat down. I'll have another one of whatever he's having. And then the and then Quang Duck again gets his little dig in at Frank. Right. Another Shirley Temple. And they just start laughing with a Jane Withers chaser. Yeah. <laughs> So I looked. I looked up Jane Withers. She was another child actor at the, in, the, in the 30s and 40s. So that was what that was, and that, which of course made me even laugh anymore. I didn't know what that meant. I had to look it up, but I, but I thought that was funny. And Jane Withers. Yeah, chase. it's Jane Withers. Is a, that's a really obscure. I mean, there would have been some other children, child actors that I might have gotten, like a yeah. Margaret O'Sullivan or a Deanna Durbin chaser. That I would. But Jane Withers, you have to look up because I had no idea who who Jane Withers was. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just a really funny episode it is historic and that it does give us this set that the show would mine for years on end and in fact there would be a, a fun little detail in a later episode in wow in season 11 wow oh my god <laughs> all the way in season 11 we would find out that the o club is not being run by special services because in season 11 there's a general who says is this is this uh, I think Potter refers to it as a social club, right. and this, this general says, "Well, is this social club being run by duly authorized special services personnel?" And Potter's like, "No, not really." And he says, "Then what's it doing there?" Which, if I was Potter, would have been like, "Hey, it was here when I got here. Right. Don't 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 yell at me." But uh, but so we you know we of course we'll see in later episodes the bar is manned by Igor by Klinger. Uh, by all sorts of different people. So there is – Quang Duck is probably the only person we ever see operating the O-Club who is not ostensibly a member of the 4077. And I think he only makes it like in one more episode maybe yeah. as the bartender I think too. Yeah, they get rid of – of course they realize as the show goes on you can – you know. Do that with somebody one, else. Yeah, yeah. One, you're paying one less guest star salary, right. and you're giving one of your regulars something to do, so right. you can make it clinger. You know, make give it to clinger, and that gets some gags in for him and whatever, and so stuff like that. But I absolutely love this show. I just, it's warm-hearted. I love General Mitchell. I think Robert Simon was just a, probably like a, kind of an underrated comedic actor he did a lot of drama and stuff of course again i mentioned in previous episodes for for nerds like us he was famous as playing J. jonah jameson on yes. the spider-man tv series but he was really great at comedy and so i, I love that he was i love that he was here i wish he had been brought back more uh, except i think this is just a just a terrific show well and it wasn't super heavy on drama but it had a heart I mean, yeah. general. Yeah. You know, you'd had somebody saving the general's son. He was he had gratitude for them. Hawk and Hawk and Trapper want to get the rest of the enlisted men to enjoy and the reward. Everybody's part of the team. You know, you can look into it that way. And it had a heart to it. 
Yeah, it's a really, really terrific show. It just makes me laugh every time. And again, and the Oak Club is a great invention. I don't know whose idea that was, whether that was uh, the aforementioned Larry Gelbard and Lawrence Marks, and then they gave that to Ed. I would imagine that that had to have come from Gene Reynolds or, or Gelbard, because I, I would imagine a, a um, freelance writer wouldn't have the authority to come right. up with a whole nother set without running it yes. by somebody. Yes. They'd say, wait a minute, what are you doing? We're not going to build this. So yeah. I, I would guess that this was maybe a framework and they handed it to Ed Juris to write the actual teleplay. Like, hey, we want to add another set. So write this and we'll bring it into the show at this point. Build something around. And I know you mentioned on a previous episode, too, about how actors, when they had the opportunity to get out of their normal clothing, like if this, yeah. they wear this uniform all the time, I'm sure just another set is always nice on a show like that where we're in this tent, we're in that tent, we're in, you know, hey, we can break out a little bit and have some fun on a set. It's a set that's built for fun. Not that the swamp wasn't, <laughs> I suppose. Right. Well, what I've heard from, uh, you know, I've seen interviews with people that directed MASH. In fact, uh, Mike Farrell even talked about it in one of the reunion shows because he directed a few episodes where he said that all the directors hated shooting scenes in the swamp. Yes. Because it was just grungy and they said you couldn't light it and everything just looked the same. So, yeah, I'm sure they must have been thrilled to have an O-Club with some 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 primary colors. You know, I mean, right, you, you right. got away from the orange drab. You could have some, some reds and some yellows and some warm blues and things like that. And you could get some nice music playing in the background. Right. I mean, it's, it's you know, again, it's it, – the show, obviously, in the second season had really taken off because it had been placed after All in the Family. So I'm sure they had a little more money being thrown their way, too. You know, like, hey, we could have a couple more standing sets. So let's let's have something nice here of the O-Club. And uh, the O-Club, I mean, we'll get to it in God knows how long. But, of course, the O-Club figures into uh, the last episode ever shot for mash which is as time goes by uh, a large chunk of that episode takes place in the oak club right so this was this was a set that uh, unlike the dentist tent or the supply tent which we would see very sparingly they use the oak club probably pretty often yeah and, and again it was important enough to include uh, to a great degree in a final episode or, or one of the last episodes yeah yeah it was, it's a great 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 episode. So I absolutely love it. So, well, Scott, thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, I can guarantee right now that it will not be another seven months till you and I podcast again. We have something else uh, planned. In fact, actually, by the by the uh, order of time displacement, the other show you and I are going to record, which is not a MASHcast, will probably actually drop before this one. So this is all kind of out of order. Uh, but nevertheless, it won't be seven more months till we record again. And I'm very happy about that because uh, I always enjoy talking to you. I always enjoy it too, you know. And you know, Rob, when you're when you're up in the big media world, you know, sometimes production orders switch up, and you got to put things <laughs> out of order. So, you know, in big time media, that's the way it goes. So, listeners, you're just going to have to roll with it. <laughs> that's it's very very true. So, uh, tell, <laughs> tell tell people where they can find you on the internet. Um, you can find me uh, um, at my my Twitter handle is at the mind of Scott X, and that's probably about it. And then also here on the Fire and Water Network, I've guested on um, Fire and Water Team Up. The uh, Fire and Water, or excuse me, the Film and Water podcast. Uh, give me that Star Trek here on Mashcast. Um, the it's one that midnight. we will be doing, yes, You're midnight's midnight. podcasting yeah. hour. Yeah. The one we will be doing is also um, Power Records podcast. And That's so right. there, hopefully um, there might be a couple others coming up as well sometime. I always say that, and then timing gets there, and it's these gaps between. But uh, hopefully we'll be back around a little bit more often. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So I always love talking to you. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, you can find back episodes of the show. Go to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. Uh, you can leave a review on iTunes. I don't think I really talk about iTunes reviews very much, but uh, there are other MASH podcasts out there, so it would help get this show noticed if you could leave an iTunes review. I really would appreciate it. I will be doing another feedback show at the end of the season, and I'll go through all that. So if I have some iTunes reviews, I'll, I'll read them there. Uh, and we're always talking MASH over on Twitter, which is at MASH477Cast. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next week, that is all. Shirley Temple. I've been looking forward to this all day.